What's good, y'all, and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week, buddy? I'm good, other other than the... Wait, the, the... back it up, back it up, back it up. Sorry, let's let's retake that. What'd you forget? Oh, uh, f- I forgot the high friends. I'm leaving that in, just so you know. Because I... I, I forgot that i needed to have something for that and i didn't have anything so i panicked you fool you fool heck well it's okay we don't you don't need to carry the weight this week and why because we have a wonderful special guest here on this week's episode as we talk about starting pitchers uh good friend of ours formerly of pitcherless now of baseball prospectus and also host of the never sunny in seattle podcast mikey aheado mikey how's it going bud hi <laughs> hi <laughs> <laughs> I finally made it. I've been begging them for 71 episodes now. They finally let me on. <laughs> That's pity. a lie. That's a lie. You started out begging us like three episodes ago. It was, it was pretty <laughs> much after. Well, it was after episode 69. Pretty much is when you started. Yeah, begging I, was, us. I Honestly, did beg to be on that. I, I think episode sixty nine is where our fortunes turned. Like that's that's our big break. Was was that big episode sixty nine? Well, you don't that's become right. a real podcast until after after episode sixty nine is what they always say. Sure, we just we just passed the the threshold ourselves, so we're finally a real podcast. I'm really okay, glad we can get to sixty nine together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, where can they find uh, Never Sunny in Seattle for folks that want to check out some Seattle Mariners focused content? I think anywhere you want. Um, Anchor, <laughs> Anchor is where it's uh, Your the local American feed. Legion. Yeah. Um, Spotify and Apple are the main two. Um, it's probably elsewhere. It's on like Pocket Cast and sh- stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> as uh, per the request of uh, Yancey Eaton. But um, yeah, those are the main the main spots. Wherever podcasts are sold. Wherever wherever you find your podcasts, we have it. So if you like uh, if you like the Mariners, if you like Daeshit Kim Jr., if you like Michael Aheto, then uh, we're we're there. Again, all right. Uh, Schwebzy, you wanted to kick off the episode by talking about some early SP injury stuff, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do have one. I, I I think pretty fun question that I would Ooh. I would like to pose to the room before we get into that, though. And th- you know, we we didn't put any feelers out for a mailbag, but if we had. This is a question that I would have submitted under a fake name to to get you guys to answer. Sure. So I want to I want to know what is your favorite he went to drive line story for this off season because it feels like that is a uh, that that's kind of a story every year now is which guys went above and beyond to uh, you know add a pitch or tweak their pitches or add velo. Uh, so w- are there any that stand out to you? this off season as a, as someone that you're targeting in drafts or are you just someone that you're expecting an improvement from because of the uh, off season training they've done? I mean, I'm going to talk about one later, so I don't know if I want to spoil it or not spoil it, but Sean spoil Manaya, it. Coward. Sean Manaya was, did like, he go to driveline? That's why he did. He did. Okay. Okay. That Dang. is a trend with San Francisco giants pitchers. That's up there for me too. Um, tread counts, I imagine. Yeah, tread athletics also counts. Correct. Sure. Uh, That's where Keller went last off season, right? 
was Trent. Yeah, and he went. He's he was there again. Um, okay. I think I'll just go Matt Brash, right? Um, oh, Brash. Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens with the adding the cutter, what that does to the the sweeper and fastball. Um, I'm just really fascinated to see what happens with a lot of the Mariners pitchers because Logan Gilbert uh, and George Kirby added um, like split change grips. Uh, I forget which is which. One added something off of Gossman's. The other I forget, but they're both really interesting. Both probably won't do much of anything. So Brash is my answer. Gilbert's looked awesome in the videos that I've seen. There was video yeah. of it out there and it looked really sick. Um I feel like yeah. this is probably one that was modeled after excuse me, modeled after um Gossman's. I think so. Um, I love I love that Gilbert yeah. just season after season is you you can see that he's putting in the work because every year there's a new story. It's like, oh yeah, I'm working on this pitch and I'm basing it off of Jake DeGrom's pitch. I think it what was it, a slider or a change up last it year? It was a slider last year, slider. yeah. Yeah, now this year it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take one of the best splitters in baseball and I'm going to try to model mine after that. He's putting in the work and he's he's using good role models. You got to love that. I will say also there was bad. a, um, I saw a video, I think it was Lance Brzezowski on Twitter was on the marquee. He posted a video of him talking on the marquee, which is the Chicago Cubs uh, station that they broadcast on, on their broadcast with uh, like Boog. And apparently like 12 Chicago Cubs pitchers added sweepers in the off season. Yeah, they, they were, um, I think internally they were big access deviation, uh, a big access deviation team before, which like they were after seam shifted wake. That's not yeah necessarily the way to get that, but, um, that makes sense. So I, I, I know what I, axis I deviation is, but I'm not sure that ah. Jordan does. So why don't you explain <laughs> what axis deviation is to, to Jordan? <laughs> so something that I've um okay, so uh, essentially like if you're looking at what Savant calls spin-based movement, like spin direction versus observed movement spin direction. It's essentially if you look at the pitch, at the spin direction, uh, let's see, David Peterson's uh, sinker, spin-based, 10.30 on a clock, observed, 9.45 on a clock. The deviation is negative 45, which means it's shifted 45 minutes on a clock. Um, so that's his axis deviation, is, is, uh, if you're looking at it by... Like hours is is negative forty five. Um, I I wrote an article at Baseball Prospectus and I said axis deviation is not. It is a very imperfect way if you're looking at seam shifted wake uh, of looking at that. I will also say that the way that Savant frames it is very confusing for people. And I don't need to go on a, a rant about it, but what I'll say is that the way I am now framing it is the one on the left, the spin-based movement, is expected movement direction. And then the one on the right, observed, 
um, movement of like spin direction is actual. Um, yeah. So if you're on baseball savant looking at a pitcher's profile, this is the part with the the graph that looks like a clock with the multicolored lines extending from it, and you know it's it's how the pitch moves versus how you would expect it to move based on its spin. Yeah, I think oversimplifying here. I think I think I think uh, a lot of websites have really done the public uh, an injustice in the way that we talked about it because even I like so. Another thing, like the ball, uh, for the vast, 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 vast majority of pitches, um, the the spin vector, like it doesn't actually change directions on the way to the plate. Like that's that's not what seam shifted wake is. So I think that's the biggest misunderstanding on the public side is that like it's like you know oh Spencer Turnbull like huge huge axis deviation. Uh, his sinker is like, let's say 145, um, at, on, at release. And by the time it gets to the plate, it's like 230 on the clock. Like that's not actually what's happening. Um, the way that he's releasing the ball is like 145, but the way it's actually moving is like 215 or 230. I'm guessing, but, uh, by the way, but yeah, so that's my, that's my rant. Now the reason the reason I wanted to uh, nudge Mikey in that direction is just to show our our listeners there there are so there are very very few like public pu- public people like aren't that who aren't associated with teams there are very few people who I would rather talk to about pitching than you know Mikey Ahedo here he's he just he's an encyclopedia with this stuff he's so good don't shake your head at me you know he's it. also also incredibly <laughs> handsome. Yeah, right. Of course, Great guitar player. Like what, I do, I love an excuse to do? look at him for an hour and a half. <laughs> I I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I can't. But to uh, to get back on topic a little bit, uh, my my favorite driveline story for this year that I don't think has been talked about nearly enough is a couple of guys in the Minnesota Twins. Had you guys heard that Joe Ryan oh, and Joe Tyler Ryan. Malley had spent some time with them? Yes. Okay. Let's Mal- see. Malley working on a new slider, and I think and I think it's the same Ryan. for Ryan. Is a sweeper and cutter or slider? I think so, yes. Yeah. He was a, I think it was a sweeper and the cutter. I'm really, I'm really excited about that for Ryan. Uh, and Mally, I've been a big fan of since 2019. And he kind of has put it together, but. Um, yeah. His fastball's so good. I, mean, we talk I, about just, uh, I just snagged Mally myself in, uh, oh God, what round was this? It was uh where are you? It was the sixteenth round of uh, oh, my TGFBI draft. So I'm I'm very hyped to have gotten Mally there. I'm expecting a big year. Nothing like the uh, disappointing uh, few starts he had with the Twins last year. But uh, yeah. So Jordan, you started to talk about the pitcher injuries before I I completely sidetracked us. No, that is okay. I missed that in the notes, so that's my fault. No, uh, so we want to cover some early SP injuries here in spring training and talk about the implications and the folks that are probably going to get opportunities because of those injuries. So we're going to start with uh, Jose Quintana, uh, starting with Schwabzi's Mets. I feel like a lot of people are pretty split on whether Tyler McGill or David Peterson are going to get the opportunities in his absence. Schwabzi, I know that you're more of a McGill fan due to the upside. I'm actually I'm I'm a pretty big fan of both just like a, as a Mets fan I I love watching yeah. both of them pitch but they're such different pitchers 
And I think McGill has the better pitcher like archetype, like building a, I, I would rather, I would rather my pitcher build his repertoire around a really strong fastball and also a, you know, one good breaker than Peterson. What Peterson has is an, a really, really dope slider. Can't take that away from him. It's a great pitch, but the rest of his repertoire is kind of iffy. Like when his sinker is working, he works. When his sinker isn't working, it's really just you're, you're hoping, you know, to get good things out of the slider. So I, I think that right now it is a complete toss up. I don't think either of these guys have an advantage as things currently stand. But we saw, well, I mean, I'm, I'm planning on talking about McGill a lot later on. Spoilers. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think either of these guys could nab the number five spot while Quintana's out. But yeah, I'm personally pulling for McGill here. Mikey, what about you? Do you have a preference between either of these two? I really don't like David Peterson. Um, I remember feeling more thinking more fondly of him before, but like, I don't really like, I don't love his secondaries, and I think McGill has a better fastball. Yeah. So it's Not like, a of the slider? It's pretty. I mean, yeah. I think. Um, I think it's pretty good. I think. I think Miguel has has the overall better repertoire, and I think the fastball is better. Um, it's about where I'm at. Yeah i I could see myself being wrong. Um, who? I mean, Shrubs, you're a you're a Mets fan. Who's who's going to get the job? You say that with like some stank on it. You're a Mets fan. <laughs> I'm a Mariners fan, so like I, I can't say guys, anything. Guys, real quick, ASI, can we talk about Jared Kelnick real quick? Please don't. Yeah. Please don't do this. Can we don't talk do this. about how good he is and hey, he just down the middle? <laughs> he got uh, two hits today. <laughs> Folks at home, I, I recently tweeted out that uh, the the hype around Jared Kelnick is is increasing at an equal rate to the number of fastballs down the middle that he sees and hits 450 feet. And I, folks, I I, I got a lot. People did not like that I said that. There was a bit of vitriol. Yeah. <laughs> it made I it think to one of his Twitter. doubles, his double was down the middle today (laughs) (laughs) no there was there's a lot of like oh this mets fan doesn't want to see kelnick succeed no i don't have anything against kelnick i have something against the Wilpons and brody van wagnon kelnick's fine (laughs) like kelnick didn't trade himself it's true unless unless (laughs) perhaps um no, I think I'm probably more in the boat of McGill as well if we're sneaking back to the, actually talking about pitchers here. Uh, kind of a lot of what Mikey implied with like better fastball uh, and outside of, like you said, the slider with Peterson, there's really not a lot to be optimistic about with Peterson. Like if he doesn't have his slider for any reason on any given day, like it's not going to be pretty. So, And what we saw from Tyler McGill before he got hurt early in last season was really, really exciting. So I think I go that way. Um, Right, go, going to the other team in New York, let's go to the Carlos Rodon injury. Uh, he isn't really making a big deal about it, uh, saying that if it was like later in the season, he would be on the mound, he'd be taking the ball and pitching, that this is mostly just a precautionary type thing. Uh, but obviously, chance that he misses the start of the season, 
who do we think gets the opportunity to take his place for maybe like one or two starts at the start of the year that can maybe run away and like build some momentum and potentially vie for a spot in that rotation? I mean, I, I, the, the fun, the fun answer is Clark Schmidt. Mm. Like he's, uh, he's unveiled a new cutter, which has gotten some fun results in spring training. But I mean, we, we can't forget we've also got Frankie Montes on the sideline now. So, I mean, he's definitely gone. And I, I mean, I guess that opens up a spot for Domingo Herman. I guess Domingo Herman is the the fifth starter there by default. But if Rodan is out, I mean, I, I think I'd I think Clark Schmidt is more interesting than Herman at this point. Like, I think I'd just rather see what they have in him. I don't even know who their other options are. Like, I don't think they have really any other interesting options um, because so many guys are are injured. Um, I also do not like Herman on several levels. Um, yeah, but Clark Schmidt Great. is really interesting. I I don't really know. I mean, it's the same thing with McGill. Like McGill's velo is down. Um, I don't know what Clark Schmidt's velo looks like when he's starting. Uh, which I guess I can look up now, but uh, I think he's a—I mean, probably a pretty different pitcher when he is. So um, we shall look that up. Yeah, I—I yeah, I don't behind know them, if there's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Behind them is like I don't know Davy Garcia again, uh, but like the shine has really, really come off of him. Like they—they they really there's not a lot of starting pitching depth in this org right now. Clayton Beater yeah. from from LA maybe. Let's see here. Maybe he throws like ninety. I mean, he barely started, and this might have. I I don't know really even how the Yankees use their guys, but he was sitting just below ninety five um, as a starter, as a reliever. Pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, reliever, I'd imagine like well, it's basically the same. So. Again, I don't know if it was like true starts, but um, I think he's really interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about we move on down to Tampa Bay then, sticking in the AL East, uh, and talk about obviously Tyler Glasnow with an oblique injury again, nagging thing, uh, kind of dashing a lot of the hopes of all the people that drafted him. I think there was people who didn't they draft him in TGFBI and then find out after the fact that he had the oblique injury. Oh, that definitely happened. Yeah, which is a bummer. Um, But as opposed to the Yankees, the Rays have a decent amount of somewhat interesting names to look at. Uh, Luis Patino was the first one that I thought of. Shrubsy, you put down a few more here. Uh, Which one do you think is the most likely candidate? Uh, Based on the, you know, the, the team's history, I would say... Uh, Chirinos is probably the first man up, even though he's not having the most exciting spring. He, he's coming back from Tommy John, and mm. I, I just imagine that the vet is going to get the first shot at it. The more exciting options are Patino and uh, Taj Bradley, who is a top 25 prospect who is knocking on the door of the majors. And uh, both Patino and Bradley have both thrown up nothing but zeros so far in spring training, although, you know, it's a, it's a literally a combined six innings for the two of them. But yeah, I mean, the Rays are going to do what the Rays do, and they're, I, I don't really expect either Bradley or Patino to get a lot of innings over the course of the year. 
but if either of them if there's rumblings that either of them are going to get the fifth rotation spot i'd immediately be very on board with either of them whereas chirinos i'm less excited about he's been cromulent before but i think he's kind of a toby i don't think he's that he's anything special mikey what about you any opinions on the replacements for glass now yeah yanni trinos doesn't do anything for me um sorry yanni (laughs) (laughs) i also one of our avid listeners yanni i don't i don't really like patino um supposedly he's added a couple ticks which is interesting um I think I think the thing is that his uh his fastball shapes are not great. He has added that sinker that I think he started throwing uh last year. I think that's probably a better pitch for him than his fastball, like should be his primary fastball. Um I and I think he added Yeah, he's got like a cutter and a sweeper. So those things are interesting, but given their actual like traits, I think Taj Bradley is far and away uh, the most interesting of the four to me. I don't know this year if that's like, you know, if he'll be the best of the four this year. Um, But Patino at least has some interesting things going on for him. Uh, I think Fleming has an interesting uh, sinker and curveball combo, um, but I, I, I would really like to see Taj Bradley uh, get a chance. His fastball is super good, and I'd really like to see that that splitty play. Um, so I think it will be someone like Trinos or Fleming, which hurts for, from a from an upside perspective. That's no fun. Yeah. But, uh, this next one, I, I know you are going to care about Ahedo. Joe Musgrove dropped the weight on his toe. <laughs> <laughs> Beep. Don't worry, I got it unlocked. Beep. I know how to make him now. Uh, okay. Um, so this is a pretty, like the Yankees, this is another shallow rotation. So, I mean, the next men up, I guess, are Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo. Nick Martinez is actually throwing up a lot of zeros in spring training he looks really good right now uh and i know you like him ahead of what do you think about the uh this fifth starter position for the uh for the padres now yeah um i think that the role that seth lugo has played over the years is probably a good one for him not interested in him uh getting a ton of starts um yeah, I think there's a reason why Nick Martinez got that contract from the Padres. Um, just such a... If he's not good, which I think he is, he's super interesting. Um, that changeup is just like far and away, you know, his his main, uh, you know, kind of like whiff pitch. I, I think he's, I think he's really good. I think he should get a shot. Um. Yeah, I mean, this is really like what you have Nick Martinez for, you know, uh, to be able to be that like swingman kind of guy, uh, super versatile. So 
I really think it's like him easily. He's got and a fun then, repertoire where he he doesn't throw any of his five pitches more than twenty six percent of the time or less than sixteen percent of the time. He just kind of throws all of them, you know, roughly one out of five times. It's uh, and yeah, that changeup is is really really dope. Yeah, what tw- like twenty plus percent swinging strike rate. Yeah, twenty percent swinging strike, thirty percent CSW. Yeah, it's really really good. I think he has three pitches that have a, a CSW over thirty. I, I mean, page not that long ago. Like last year, he had four pitches with strike percentages sixty-five and up. Like that's he's a really good strike thrower. Well, that's um, a nice thing too as a starter. You can get away with that more so as a reliever if you're not a good yeah. strike thrower. But something like that is a good profile as someone who needs to step in and start. Yeah. So all three of his fastballs, if you you know if you want to call the cutter a fastball, um, and his changeup. Mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty dope i really like him he's like a super weird pitcher which is kind of my jam um so i'd say martinez easily yeah actually i didn't realize uh that the uh, musgrove injury pushed Mar- uh, martinez to the fourth starter spot and lugo is fifth so it's gonna be both of them but uh, i i'm getting the sense that we don't really care about lugo as a uh, as a prospective fantasy guy I mean, I'm interested in watching, see what happens. Same, uh, you know, as someone who watched his career as a re- starter, then reliever, then starter, then reliever, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens when, you know, the the kid gloves get removed and he just gets to, uh, you go know, for it. go for it, you know, throw as many innings as you can, buddy. Because it, uh, it was a little frustrating watching him as purely a reliever because he didn't do back-to-backs. Yep. Which is, you know, kind of uncommon for relievers. Yeah, it's uh, I, I always remember the like big, uh, firm, you know, big spin, curveball as his yes. thing. But like, it's his fastballs that he's really thrown a lot of strikes with, especially his sinker. Um, I'm trying to pull up his numbers right now. Like, yeah, he's kind of interesting. He gave up a lot of home runs with the sinker, though. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's just not. He's just not that interesting, but uh, like you could, it could be worse. You could be throwing Marco Gonzalez <laughs> in your fifth spot <laughs> without yeah. any injuries. <laughs> oh, buddy. The, the, okay. It's never sunny. Our podcast is very, <laughs> I guess our bit, we don't have that many bits, but one of them is that every, pretty much every podcast, something negative is said about Marco, we don't which do is funny because he was my favorite Mariner at one point, but he was. Like are, are you just are ago. you just counting down the time for Bryce Miller season? Uh, please, or even Chris Flexen or Emerson Handcock. How dare you? How dare I you bring up Chris Flexen in my presence? <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul Seawald. Oh my god, we love Paul Seawald. <laughs> we love Paul Seawald here, don't we, Schwebs? We do, don't uh, we? He's just we do. You guys as, just, as you guys just know, know how to get under my skin. You guys know me too well. That's right. That's true. All right, we got three more teams to cover here, real quick. Uh, various Red Sox injuries. Yeah, uh, I mean Whitlock has has like a soft tissue thing. Bayo may or may not be ready for the start of spring training. Uh, sorry, the, the start of opening, the start of the regular season. And Paxton is also dealing with what? What is it? A hamstring? I think hamstring. Yeah, he had a hamstring uh, strain. Lots of soft, soft tissue stuff all around. Uh, is it 
I mean, th- this is an in the deep favorite. Is it Tanner Houck season again? It's Man. always Tanner Houck season somewhere. I mean, probably at this point. He, look, he looks the, he looks kind of OK. I mean, the slider has to be there. I know that Mikey, we were talking about before we started recording. He lost his slider a bit last year. He doesn't really throw it for strikes very much. Yeah, Which, I th- I think it's it's kind of like the because I I mean I remember when he started kind of breaking out. It's like this guy has an insane, you know, slider. Um, yeah. I think I think it's a like it's maybe not the pitch that we thought it was back then, but it is it is like something where you get into those counts with your four pitches, and then you can kind of you know put guys away with the slider. Um, and it like it doesn't get hit hard. So I mean, Hulk's not a bad option, but um Yeah, he's not a bad option. <laughs> I'm just I'm just begging the Red Sox to put Hulk in a role, choose a role, and just leave him there for, for 162 games, please. Yeah. That's the other thing too. He's kind of gotten bounced around. I don't know if he's had an opportunity to feel like comfortable. Yeah. And necessarily. then the other the the currently penciled in fifth starter is Cutter Crawford, who I do not care about. Good name though. Fantastic. Yeah, I, name. I, I literally don't know anything about Cutter Crawford. His name is spelled with a K. Stylish. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's all I got too. Uh, all right. So Gonsolin went down with an injury as well. So uh, Ryan Pepio, is it Pepio or Pepiot? I think it's Pepio, right? Got me. Honestly, it's. I need to look it up. Song. I'll I'll I'll, I'll check you while you talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Pepio. Confirmed. Pepio. Perfect. I did it. We did it, Joe. Um What what was Gonsolin's injury? I don't actually remember. Sprained ankle, I want to say. How severe was his ankle sprain? Check I don't actually out. remember seeing this news come across my timeline at any point on like Twitter. Uh, yeah, slow pr- uh, taking slow process after ankle sprain opening day mm. in question. I I don't think this is a long term thing. I think this is uh more more Apple in line. Starts. This is more yeah, mm, probably more like the the Bayo and Whitlock injuries where he misses like a starter to it most. Okay. So this is purely like, you know, a, a, an opening week streamer kind of thing. Who do they face in that first week? Cubs and then who else? Reds? No, I'm crazy. They face the Diamondbacks and then the Rockies, both at home. And then the second week they face the Diamondbacks in Arizona and then the Giants in San Francisco. That's a pretty nice, pretty nice schedule to start the Not season for a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it was like at a like a first couple week streamer. I could see taking Pepio based on those matchups. I don't think there's bound to be much damage done. Throws a lot of strikes. See, I don't know much about him, honestly, but yeah, yeah. I just know he was always like a a middle of the top hundred kind of prospect. I mean, I hype. see, I see a lot of strikes and I see pop ups. Lots, lots um, of high basketballs. Yeah. 
and like it's more of it's it's like a he throws a change up a lot that isn't that great but the the fastball and then he throws a, a slider in the zone a lot that's kind of a, a cutter slider hybrid um he just gets a lot of guys to pop up on probably the fastball yeah the fastball and slider which i guess makes sense um yeah i think and again an interesting option and on the dodgers so it's like uh yeah. instantly interesting like if the and dodgers wins if the dodgers made tyler anderson good it's true that's that's a veiled shot at the at the mariners <laughs> <laughs> And also at me because I like. Tyler oh, oh, yes, yes. I'm just, I'm I just trying like to catch Tyler everyone Anderson. with strays. I do wonder how he's going to fare with a worse defense behind him and a shift band. I don't think it's going to uh, affect um, pitchers as much as hitters, at least like not individually. Um, and if it does, it'll be more noise than I think. Like, you know. Yeah. Feel you, but it yeah, is, it, oh, you know, it will be more of the ground ball guys. So yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things that yeah. impacts people, but we can't really like quantify it because it's going to be random, like who it impacts. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to watch it real time too, so we can infer all we want right now, but we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. So, um, all right, last uh one we're gonna talk about is Lance McCullers going down once again with an injury, uh, opening up the fifth starting pitcher spot in Houston for Hunter Brown, which I think is probably one of the more interesting names that we have here. Uh, much to my chagrin, uh, my TGFBI team did not turn out how I wanted to because I was, uh, I would say, harassed and bullied by my co-host and Yancey Eaton and uh, our good friend Jay Hook, Joe Lowry, into drafting Hunter Brown because he was still on the board very late in my TGFBI draft. Um, but that said, I don't feel terrible about having him on my team. Uh, Shrubsy, how do you feel about Hunter Brown for this year? I mean, he's, let's see, like the, the most exciting rookie pitchers this year were, it was, it's Grayson Rodriguez, Andrew Painter, sure. Hunter Brown. Like, uh, like, is there any, are there any rookie pitchers for, for 2023 who are more exciting? Like, I mean, Hunter Brown had, I mean, you, you've done your weighted earned strikes research. Hunter Brown fared really well there, did well by PLV. The stuff is, you know, by all accounts, fantastic. The Astros are an organization that have historically developed pitchers well. I don't really see what's not to like here. I want to pull up his. Uh, uh, I'm going to pull up his pitching bot and stuff. Plus is now a thing. Um, yes, I want to see which how his awesome. stuff grades oh. out. Yeah. Um. What I will say before I find anything, though, is is the fastball alone makes him, you know, uh, I think in the early going. It might look something like Logan Gilbert or something, you know, like where it's not sexy, but it's like, you know, a fair amount of strikeouts, pretty average walks. Um, But I mean, his his fastball is good enough to just throw. Uh, throwing a slider or cutter 93 is insane. Um, and his curveball is a thing. <laughs> I don't think he can really land it in there. It's got a really big shape, but uh, 
yeah, I think he's got a really a lot of really interesting traits. I I cannot find him on this. Uh... Stuff Plus loves him. Stuff Plus has him just a, a hair below Christian Javier. Really? Yeah, they they give him like phenomenal grades on it. it, it it's four above average pitches according to uh, Stuff Plus. With a with a wildly good slider and a very good knuckle curve. I mean, yeah, that's how I would describe. Uh, that's how I would describe it in a vacuum. Um, I wonder how. And keep in mind that a lot of that is in relief, so true. Uh, it would probably take down. Yeah, one hundred nine from stuff plus one hundred nine fastball, one hundred eight, and one hundred is league average. Um, one hundred eight splitter, one thirty one slider, and curveball. 116 so yeah um i think it really just comes down to locating and i mean he was like average by location plus um i don't know i i do tend to think that right now he's kind of overrated because he's got the like super hard slider and the big if you can throw a curveball with a ton of with like a steep vertical approach angle or, you know, just like a lot of vertical movement in the eighties. It can be a really good pitch, but I think, I think it's kind of tough to throw them for strikes if you're not really elevating your fastball. Uh, And if I remember correctly, I think we saw him make some adjustments in September or October where he was might be misremembering. Um, but I think he's probably only a couple adjustments away from being pretty damn darn good. <laughs> yeah, he he's coming off of a spring training appearance where he got he he just did not have his control. I'm not worried too much about that, honestly. I don't I don't I would not have any lights and sirens up for that. Okay, so you're making me feel a little bit better about drafting him, which I appreciate. It's very nice of both of you. Um I'm just so sad that I missed out on Garrett Mitchell. I don't think he's going to be good for your team. I think he's going to be good for everyone else's team. (laughs) Why do I do this? (laughs) Anyways, on that very, very terrible note, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. So, Mikey, we love having you talk about starting pitching with us. We're going to have you play because you are genuinely the expert amongst all of us here. We're going to have you play judge as Schwebzy and I do some ADP battles. So we've picked some ADP ranges uh, later in drafts, and each of us has taken one pitcher from that group and are going to pose why we think they are a good option there. And you're going to help us kind of build out our arguments, but also say which one you prefer to. So uh, where we're going to make this fun. I've got a oh. uh, I've got a stopwatch here. We are going to have two and a half minutes each to plead our case for these pitchers. Oh my god, okay. And at the end of those two and a half minutes, so so five minutes per battle, just also, you know, to kind of keep us on track and keep this podcast under two hours. Uh, at the end of the uh, our, our little battle, Mikey is going to put in his two cents and uh, co- decide a winner of uh, wh- which of the two pitchers we, we talk about he, uh, he prefers more for having a, a stronger 2023 season. Or you get 15 seconds, and in eight seconds, you have to address the other podcaster. And if you don't, you get a ball or strike. I think that's maybe a good system, too. (laughs) We should think about it. 
I think all strikes are baller strikes. <laughs> let me let me know what you think. <laughs> wait, wait, I I all right. Uh, yeah. So wait, wait. Two two minutes is two minutes a, a good time? Shrebsy, that's a strike. You're not staring into your webcam. <laughs> you gotta address the webcam. <laughs> you, you can't you can't break eye contact I, with the I webcam. So. Honestly, right. two minutes is it depends. I don't know. I go on rant so. Uh, you can right. how about this you can no, yield no, your time no these these rules don't apply to you they apply to me and schwebzy you right. can talk no. as much as you yeah, want. yeah, yeah. i'm just saying I'm, i'd be talking but uh i think two minutes and if you want to yield your time you can um i can I'm also like keep a timer my, i'm like turning right. my mic so that way i can like talk into I'm, my microphone I'm, I'm and still up. read my notes you're about to stand up so it's like a, already it's so. like a cipher you can't so, see me but i'm very mobile <laughs> <laughs> all right, John Cena. Jordan is so excited because he got a standing desk and now he can move all around his room while he's talking. But uh, yeah, so this yeah. first ADP battle, we've, just, we've chosen a... I can walk around. Jordan, like it's this. it's an audio medium, Jordan. They can't see it, but I can. And I can feel it. I hope they can feel my movement. <laughs> anyway, so we've chosen a few ADP ranges. We've chosen 275 to 300, 300 to 350, 351 to 400, and 400 to 500. And we've each chosen one pitcher from those ADP ranges, and we are going to uh, have it out, and we're going to fight. In this first ADP range from 275 to 300, Jordan has chosen Sean Mania, Mr. He Went to Driveline himself. And I've chosen uh, Justin Steele, the uh, second half revelation for the Cubs last year. I think we're going to, we're going to let, I'm going to let Jordan kick this off. Right, I'm ready. So, uh, Mr. He Went to Driveline himself, Sean Mania. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Clocks, clock starts, clock starts now. All right, so Sean Manaya, Mr. He went to driveline himself, added velo, and is now sitting at 93 to 96 so far in spring training. That is something that is definitely worth monitoring. If he can keep that velo increase up, he becomes a much better pitcher, much more attractive. By stuff plus, he already had two plus pitches last year in his slider with 112 and change up with 101, just barely above average, but still pretty good. Uh, even with the added velo, I think a pitch mix change could behoove him. Uh, even if the sinker is improved due to the velo jump, it's not going to be above league average probably. And he threw it nearly 60% of the time. So why not throw a pitch like the slider with a stuff plus of 112 more than 13.4% of the time? Well, I looked at a lot of his sliders that he threw last year. Uh, and this may be a bit of inference on my part because I didn't get to look at every single one of the sliders that he threw. It doesn't seem like he has a great feel for the pitch. Which makes me think that's why he leans on the slider more, or on the sinker more and more. Um, while the velo with the slider was all over the place as well, I mean, it was a pretty solid pitch overall. Um, oh, I've got a, oh, I got a minute and 10. Oh, God. Okay, so <laughs> so knowing the folks at Driveline, obviously, I don't think that it was it was just like a biomechanics thing for Manaya. Like, obviously, the increased velo is great. I have my doubts that they didn't work on anything else with him while he was there. Like I almost guarantee that they were trying out different pitch grips for the slider and things like that, working on his releases. They're not just going to work on the one thing for him. So I'm sure that the slider and changeup were points of focus as well. Uh, whether it's a change of usage or pitch grip tinkering to find a shape that they like more, whatever it is, I'd be shocked if we don't see at least one more development from Manaya before, or once we get more consistent stat cast data, once the season starts. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I think that Manaya's volume is really, really solid. He's going to pitch 150 plus innings for sure. Uh, and he's a good value at this point in drafts at two seven or 286. And I think that the added velo will probably equate to more strikeouts this season. And time. Like 10, 
That's it? That's it. Shh. <laughs> wow. Look at my influence. God. Awful. Tried. Imagine all the, the great nuggets that our, our listeners are missing out on because you can't manage your time. I had like two lines left. This sucks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Schwebs or Mikey, do you want to add anything to the Sean Manaya discourse? Should I at the end? Yeah, sure. yeah. After, 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 end, we, after we talk about our two pitchers. All right. All right. All right so I'm, my timer I'm, ready. I'm, I'm starting my timer. Oh, you're, are you going to time me? So, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm going to time you. Make sure to address Jordan by eight seconds in. <laughs> And go. Camera. Hey, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. White, I don't I, I think your hat is dumb. Um, is it does that count as a direct? <laughs> this man Did just spent him? his first this man just spent his first 10 seconds trying to roast me. Worth it. All right. Justin Steele. Uh, if you're a fan of Justin Steele or if you've uh, read any analysis of Justin Steele, you're probably focusing in on his second half because that is basically uh, that that's what everyone is pointing to when they're looking at his breakout like his first handful of starts were were nothing to really write home about but Jul- june july august that's where he was really really rounding into form after july 1st he pitched 44 innings not a ton because he did get hurt to end the year but he struck out 29% of the batters he faced only struck out 7.7 7, uh, sorry only walked 7.7% of batters that he faced which is a big improvement because if you look at his season long walk totals, it's, it's gross. Frankly, it's, it's not uh, it, it's 9.8 for the season. So the fact that when he started figuring things out, he was down to 7.7%. That's, that's a big, big increase, big or a, a positive move. And he had a 26% CSW in those good starts. And this is all centered around the slider. So he's got a dope slider, not much else. So the question we have to answer is the slider so good that it can carry the package by itself or can one of his other pitches take a step forward? I think what we really need to be focusing on here is that slider and can it make the whole package work and then go from there? He w- he inc- what, what made his second half work, what made his in- improvement at, at real, I think, is that he improved that, he increased that slider usage to 38% in July, 36% in August. And that like he was able to, make a really strong second half and a, a string of like 10 starts really worked based just off of that slider. I, I, he could improve something else, but I don't really think he needs to. That's time. I did spend way too much time talking about your hat. <laughs> you lost, like if you had that extra 15 <laughs> seconds, you could have wrapped up your argument. That's on you. <laughs> okay. Two, minute, two minutes um, is not long. Turns out. <clears throat> Let's see. What will I say? First, um, I have a question for both of you. Uh, How many fastballs does Sean Mania throw? 60%. Like? Types of fastball? Types of fastballs. He throws a sinker. Schwebsy? Mania? Yeah. Oh, I don't know offhand. I I wasn't looking at Mania's stuff. So I think when I was writing him up, because I, I hadn't really known this, but he throws a two seam and a four seam fastball and uh, Savant, Savant kind of just smashes them together. I pointed it out to, to some of the guys who do the like pitch classifications at pitch info at BP. 
Yeah. Uh, and they reclassified. I'm really interested to see what happens with that when he goes to the Giants because it seems like based on I was while y'all were talking, I was pulled up some uh his own profile and it looks like his sinker actually plays better. Um, like gets more whiffs at least um than his four seamer. But I'm interested to see what the Giants do with that. It's actually really interesting that we're talking about these two guys because one is a really like flat approach guy and one's a really steep approach guy. Mm-hmm. I think that I would go Manaya. A because I think his fastball is going to be unreal if he adds a couple ticks, which seems somewhat likely. And again, I, I wrote about him. Well, not again, because I haven't said this, but I wrote about him in 2021, I think at pitcher list right after he whiffed a ton of guy, he dropped his arm slot and he whiffed. I think he had 21 whiffs with his sinker in that game. Um, So I think, I think j- Based on that and based on the fact that I think there's some lack of optimization with Steele's repertoire, um, I think he could actually be kind of crazy with a uh with his sinker because you know he has such a, a steep approach with it. Because he's so gyro heavy, um, they just sink. But I think they're pretty close in many ways, if if we're looking at it from like a a real baseball, I guess. Yeah. perspective steel steel um, ditched his sinker in the in his good yeah. months yeah um so maybe and I, I could be wrong but um just looking at it from like a pitch design perspective and a you know getting grounders weak grounders perspective um that's what i would do if i was just in steel but i'm not um so i think it's i think it's actually pretty close uh, and i actually don't have their like overall lines in front of me but um, I would give the edge to Manaya, who I like really, really adore. So I'm a little biased. This isn't fair. <laughs> By a biased <laughs> judge. Sounds, sounds completely fair to me, personally. <laughs> it's just like arbitration. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, a very apt and uh, timely joke. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. So we just did 275 through 300. Let's go 300 to 350. Schwebzy. You chose Aaron Savali, which it says here is at ADP 299. So when when I first pulled up this list yesterday to choose my pitchers, he was at like 300 and change. And then we added two more days to the uh, to the filter, the ADP filter. And he jumped he jumped into the illegal range. But I'm keeping him anyway because I don't care. I'm a cheater. You absolute fool. All right. And then I also uh, I took someone who was a little bit safer in that regard. I took Alex Wood. Uh, at ADP 344. This time, Schwebzy, we will have you kick things off. Sure. But we're going to do know, that once Mikey gets back. So I'm I'm now I'm I'm learning how much I talk because I I I got like 10 more minutes in me about Justin Steele and I I I'm feeling pressured, man. I this this was a mistake. Why would I limit my my talking? I love to hear myself talk. Yeah, I'm very I'm very much the the opposite of that. I don't know. I see, I see all you've got written here about Alex Wood. I don't know if you're going to get through all that in two minutes. I'm going to talk so fast. <laughs> I'm, I'm just don't talk fast already. I just I just want to uh, hear you. I, I'm just going to play this section at two times speed just to just to hear you chipmunk your way through it. Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. But yeah, right, Savali. So, all 
All right. Yeah, Shrubsy, take it away. Talk about Aaron Savali for us. All right. Timer starting now. Wait, I got it. One second. No. Too late. I already did it. It's appropriate no. that I'm following up Justin Steele with Aaron Savali because they kind of had similar season paths. They, they started off poorly and then got red hot in the second half. Savali is, is kind of a, a rarity in today's game. He's a pure control pitcher in a league where that's not really in vogue anymore. He throws like he throws seven different pitches over the course of uh, 2023, 2022, sorry. And all of them go to locations that you kind of want those pitches to go. A lot of the guys that you find in like the 300 plus range are kind of samey in that they have a couple of strong pitches, but not really a fastball to support them. Or And we, we, we mentioned that a lot. A lot of the pitchers we talk about wind up having that same kind of archetype. But one of the things I like about Savali is that he has a lot of different pitches to fall back on. And he's a tinkerer. His like every month, his pitch mix changes uh, either drastically or just a, a little bit. He throws three different fastballs. He throws two different. He threw two different sliders last year, though he ditched his sweeper in a, a, after April. He's willing to like, and he he pitches for the Cleveland Guardians, an organization that we know is is pretty good with the uh, the whole pitch development thing. I I think he's got you know a great head for pitching, and no matter what happens with the rest of his pitches he's got an incredibly dope curveball that he throws 30 percent of the time and he upped the curveball usage as the year went on in fact that was what you know one of the catalysts of his really strong second half and just a, a little fun thing i i was quizzing both uh, a Hedo and other friend of the podcast yancy eaton uh, as we were prepping for this uh, on how old aaron savali is and they said 32 and 33 i would have said 30 myself Aaron Savelli's only 27. He's got like a lot of good pitching ahead of him. I, 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 he's like in the prime of his athletic life. I kind of thought he was on the older side, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Savali for this year. I don't think he's getting the uh, credit he's due and my time is up. Pretty good kid. Pretty good. All right. I chose Alex Wood. So I'm going to talk about Alex Wood here real quick. Uh, Shubsy, would you like to start my two minutes? Let me know when you go. You're already 30 seconds in. All right, cool. So it seems that I once again have a thing for San Francisco Giant pitchers on redemption arcs. Wood, to put it plainly, was like pretty bad last year. He had a 5.10 ERA over 130 and change innings. Uh, While he did strike out a solid nine per nine and put up the lowest walk rate of his career, the results weren't there. Why? Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he largely lost the effectiveness of his slider after holding a nearly 22% swinging strike rate on the pitch in 2021. He regressed heavily in 2022, dropping all the way to 14.7% swinging strike rate. Uh, The pitch also created far fewer ground balls than it did in 2021, dropping from 64.6% ground ball rate all the way down to 48.5. What was formerly like genuinely an elite pitch in 2021 and was a large contributor to why his FIP and XFIP were so low had taken like a huge step back. So after looking at release points, vertical approach angle, and a myriad of other below the surface level things for a good like 20 or so minutes our very smart and talented uh <laughs> moderator mikey ahedo pointed out that it was likely just a matter of him not locating his slider well which checked out based on what we saw from the heat maps um turns out he left his fair share of sliders over the heart of the plate last year which was not what he did in 2021 and that is bad so after last season there was a lack of clarity on what wood's role was going to be on the giants but gabe kapler squashed that earlier in spring training by maintaining that he is planning on having him be part of the rotation so that's always good 
the innings aren't going to be like elite level. He's probably only going to be like 130 to 140 uh, just because he does have an injury history and they like to keep him healthy for the long run. And he's not going to be a Cy Young boat getter like I insinuated in the past. Uh, I do think that he can be a solid ratios guy, though, and can provide his fair share of strikeouts if the command of his slider returns. Do you yield your time, sir? I yield my time. Great. That's five seconds we get back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I I think this one's hard. Um, Again, it's, it's, I think, a really interesting one. Um, Actually... I wish I had it up. So Savali's forcing fastball sucks. Like, yes. sucks. Like, yes. it's awful. I think he just needs to stop throwing it. Like, uh, there have been times before where I was like, yeah, he could throw it some. Who was it? It's like this, the Spencer Strider thing where he's like, why would I throw a changeup when my fastball and, and slider are dope? Um, so I think it's kind of a, a similar thing to the Mania Steel thing where it's like Savali, I think... I wrote about him and I've done it twice. And the first time he read it and seemed to implement some of the things that I talked about, like throwing elevated cutters, tunneling the curveball off of that. Uh, And even though he did these things, he like still wasn't very good. If you look at his XERA, like I think he might've just had kind of a, a, an unlucky year. Whereas Wood. I'm not completely sure what happened. I do trust the Giants. But I think based on on how much they'll pitch and and floor, I think I'll go Savali. Although I do really really love Wood because his his sinker, I guess. His two-seam fastball uh is you know, can be special. Uh, and a slider can be too. So I actually think they're both positive regression candidates um, for this year. And again, I think it's close enough to where it's like, just just pick either, do you want your floor guy or do you want the Alex Wood upside? Because I think Wood has the higher upside. So the non-cop-out answer is, is I'll go Savali. Drebzy, <laughs> you look like you want to say something. <laughs> nothing I can nothing I can say on a pitcher list on the family podcast. Makes sense. All right. We're going to say heck so break. loud. What is the score so far? <laughs> one, one one. Okay, cool. And we only have two more left to go. Uh I'm happy to to, to let y'all down equally. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a tie, you're uh, never coming back. <laughs> this is his last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about our two other uh, ADP battles right after this ad break. All right, we're back. So just did 300 to 350. Let's do 351 to 400. Uh, Schwebzy, you were going to talk about Brian Bayo. I'm going to talk about Braxton Garrett. I'm so and sick of the name Braxton Garrett this offseason because of you. I know you are. I know you are. But I got to talk about him. He's, he's, he's the boy. He's the boy. Uh, you literally are just sitting there holding up your phone with your finger on the trigger, <laughs> ready to just like start my time at any given moment. Uh, okay. I just want you to see that it's all above board. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to cut your time off. All right, I'm ready. Go. All right. So Braxton Garrett held a 30.32% weighted earned strike rate in 2022, which is like very, very solid. 
Uh, he's someone that our good friend Mikey Ahedo here is very fond of. And honestly, I think that's for very good reason. So he has a track record of striking out a decent amount of people in the minors. And that skill translated in the majors when you put a 9.2K per nine rate up over 88 innings back in 2022. Um, the reason for that, I think, is twofold. He fixed the thing that plagued him the most in his first two cups of coffee, uh, which was his walk rate. He had a 5.87 and 5.29 walk per nine rate in his first two major league stints. And he dropped that all the way down to 2.45 per nine last year. Secondly, Garrett also became a slider first pitcher in this iteration of his major league career. And the pitch handily qualified as a money pitch. Uh, leading with the slider and complementing it with a solid sinker that gets strikes and induces a ton of ground ball contact, he has a really firm foundation to build off of and find success. Um, his path to regular starts obviously is still kind of cloudy uh, due to the insane amount of depth the Marlins have in terms of starting pitching. Uh, Kim Ng has made it clear that they aren't unmolding that roster yet based on just trades that they've made previously. I don't think necessarily that they're done prior to the season starting yet either. Um, again, a couple trades or injuries could clear a path for Garrett, and I'd rather take a flyer now and reap the benefits later on a guy who's being drafted so late in drafts. Done. All right. Hey, Jordan, do you remember when Pete Alonso hit a home run off of Braxton Garrett a, f a few days ago? That was awesome. Do your deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, start my timer right now. So I'm talking about Brian Bayo of the Boston Red Sox. Bayo is similar to Garrett in the sense that he will not be on the opening day roster, but it's because he's hurt, not because he has seven pitchers ahead of him. Uh, I, I think that the second he's healthy, Bayo is going to be in that rotation and he's going to get starts because, you know, just because the Red Sox don't have as many, you know, major league quality starters as the Marlins do. If you're not hooked into the prospect world, Bayo might have snuck up on you last year. I, I know he did for me because even in the prospect world, he was an inconsistent pitcher like he he, he was kind of like alternated years whether he was good or bad but he has an, this electric change up that led to these strikeout rates that were kind of obscene he consistently struck out between 31 and 37 percent of the batters he faced from high a all the way up to triple a he didn't really show that kind of strikeout stuff in the majors but that strikeout upside is tantalizing and he was really good even without striking out that many players Bayo basically started his major league career with three bad starts that marred his season-long line, but he was legitimately really good after that. He walked too many guys and generally doesn't throw enough pitches in the zone, but what he does have is, is exciting. The only thing that held him back from a truly awesome first season were some really obscene BABIP numbers on his sinker, slider, and four-seamer, and those are pitches that he threw like 75% of the time in totality. Uh, and this looks like a pitcher that has the repertoire necessary to break out with the right tweaks. He's got an elite changeup, so one would think that his fastball would be able to play off that. Mikey, you can correct me if I'm wrong on like a, his four-seamer pitch shape or something, but he really he just got tremendously unlucky. Two of like the holy trinity of luck-based pitch stats were really, really not in his favor, although he was pretty good at home run prevention. Eh, okay so i've just kind of learned more about bayo in the past couple days 
Um, what I will say is that his the Babbitt luck, quote unquote luck, seems like pretty legitimate. Um, I do worry about the walks and and some of the uh, the the command stuff. Again, I think these are like really interesting um, guys that you're, uh, I guess, kind of like juxtaposing because uh, Braxton Garrett is, you could argue, just like a pitcher that will like mid you to death <laughs> um, if you're looking at, you know, like stuff grades and Bayo is is kind of just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this, you know, either super hard or pretty crazy pitch has changed up hard and uh you know saw off barrels i swear to god it's not just because i'm biased but i really like braxton garrett here and part of the reason is that on the year you're gonna hear me i mean you've already heard me reference strikes a lot and personally i like strike percentage over csw uh because i think Balls in play and foul balls matter a lot. Uh, but Braxton Garrett threw three pitches at 68.7% or higher. Uh, Bayo doesn't have one uh, that high. His highest is his sinker at 66.7. Um, he does have a really flat shape to his four seam, but he doesn't really throw it in the zone. I don't know if that's a command thing or or uh, if he's trying to set up the steeper pitches. It's a little all over the place. Yeah, uh, which is kind of what i imagined so again it's like what i think garrett gives you is in a vacuum because it's like how much is he gonna pitch because they have so many options uh really like a really good floor and i personally think that he could be i personally would call him like maybe not ace upside uh like a 60 grade pitcher um so again depends on what you're looking for and if you're looking for fantasy stats for the year 2023 i think garrett's sexier right uh even though again i just said he'll mid you to death like (laughs) if bayo's gonna run into a lot of bats and also walk a lot of guys uh that might help him get like kind of deeper into games, but I feel like the strikeout upside is limited. Um, also, I don't know if it's worth talking about like what Garrett changed, but essentially what I wrote is he went from this higher arm slot to a more conventional arm slot, like a pretty three quarter, three quarter uh, arm slot, which you'd think would be bad, but a, I think it helped him command his pitches better. And B, I think it really, really helped the shape of his pitches so it made his his slider and his curveball like synthetically more sweepier uh because it gave him like a a more extreme horizontal angle to the plate Mm uh and then i i also think that it it made his his sinker uh helped him make it steeper um that's all fair and i i hear you but i hate you That's right. We, I hope. Okay, this is bad because either Schwabzi's gonna lose three one, or y'all leave with a tie. So I feel like this is lose lose for me. (laughs) 
which I guess is on, like the only way it could go. But much, I love Brad Spirit. Are you? How much of a people pleaser are you? I'm pretty bad. I'm the I'm the third youngest of eight. I can think of one one people that you should that I wish you would please right now. One people. It's me. I'm the people. Schwabzi. Schwabzi's the people. All right, so I'm up Sorry, to one friend. now. After uh, a pretty, a pretty, <laughs> pretty clear uh, and evident victory, right there. So we're gonna go to the four hundred one to five hundred ADP range here. Uh, Schwabzi, you chose to talk about Tyler McGill, ADP four twenty five, and then I chose to talk about JT Brubaker, which I actually didn't write down his ADP, but I know that he is like four sixty or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, Schwabzi. For our last ADP battle, you get to lead it off. Talk about Tyler McGill. So I think this is actually like the opposite of Garrett versus Bayo, where I think Bayo is going to get significantly more volume than Garrett. I think Brubaker is going to get significantly more volume than McGill this year because McGill's volume completely depends on the Mets' ancient rotation crumbling, which it will at times, but it won't lead to consistent starts. Now, you may find McGill's current situation familiar because last year he filled in as the opening day starter when Jacob deGrom went down with a, uh, with a fractured scapula. And McGill responded with six just absolutely bananas starts before getting hurt, putting up a miserable start when he got hurt, missing a month, coming back, getting hurt again immediately, and being rough in, that, in those couple appearances too, and then coming back as a reliever. He had a very... He had a very up and down season but you know it was up at the start but then basically nothing but down but those six starts those were those were something to really dream on he was pumping his fastball in at an average of 95.7 and standing six foot seven he fits one of our favorite archetypes around here the big boy throw ball hard his fastball gets a 15 percent swinging strike rate and only a 21.5 percent hard contact rate those figures are both well above league average like by by a, a good margin and he pairs that with a slider that doesn't look like it should be good based on like the strikes it gets, like the swinging strikes, the uh, the called strikes, but it's really effective. And it's because he throws his fastball arm side so often, like it, that's that's where the, the most red is on his heat map. And then he throws the slider to tunnel off of that. Batters aren't chasing that pitch as much as I thought they would, but it's really effective anyway, because they're just not doing anything with it when they do make contact with it or, or when they swing at it. He's currently in what appears to be a competition for the fifth spot with David Peterson, like we talked about before. But, you know, we, I, I went through this all before. I think his archetype is, w- would make for a much stronger starter than Peterson's repertoire. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on McGill as many starts as he gets. In time. Just in time, too. too. Having pitch clock awareness. Unlike Elisandris, who somehow swung and missed at a slider in the dirt, gave the pitcher props, and was walking back to the box and then was not attentive and proceeded to strike out via pitch clock violation. Today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Elisandris. How dare you? Oh, he's great. But also, that was incredibly funny. Oh, and for, for uh, our regular listeners, uh, last, week, last week's episode, I talked about Isaac Parides and uh, Elisandris as my middle infielder guys. And then I took both of them in TGFBI, so I'm practicing what I preach. A man of his word. Look at him go. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about Brubaker. Uh, Shonzi, do you want to start my timer here? Ready? And go. 
right? So I talked about Brubaker earlier in the offseason when he was going like much, much lower in drafts, like post 600. Uh, and I blindly chose to talk about him here again before really doing more research on him. And I was always under the impression that he had a dope pair of breaking pitches with his slider and curveball, which is true. Uh, those two pitches did most of the work in carrying him to a 29.15% weighted earned strike rate, which is right in line with st other starters like Lucas Giolito, Freddie Peralta, Kyle Wright. Uh, and while that number, that 29.15, was an increase from 21, 21 to 22, uh, he did see his K rate drop by 1.3% uh, between those years, which is a bit unintuitive and kind of unfortunate. Um, the breaking pitch is solid, but the rest of his arsenal is honestly not super great. The slider and curveball are both above average by pitching plus, but his next best pitch is his sinker, which he throws 42% of the time and only comes in at a 90 and league average is 100. Um, I know that the answer isn't always to just like throw your quote unquote better pitches more often, but perhaps dialing back that sinker usage when the pitch is just not good would behoove him. Um, he also peppered in a changeup in fastball, forcing fastball last year, but would probably just be better off without them. And they're both pretty forgettable. Um, I think that there is like a 25 plus percent K rate season in Brubaker. The biggest thing that he needs to improve on is like throwing more strikes and not walking as many batters. His walk rate isn't obscene at 8.8%, but compared to his strikeout rates, his K minus base on ball just ends up not being too impressive. Um, to summarize, he's a guy with a really bad fastball that he throws way too much. Um, and he doesn't have enough velo to bail him out when he throws it and locates it poorly. Uh, so I'm hoping we see him lean into the breakers more and more this year and hopefully see some solid results because of it. And you got 10 seconds left. Bang. Do you want to say anything mean about me to like waste the rest, <laughs> take up the rest of your time? <laughs> beep. Oh, Jordan, put that through the timestamp so we can beep that. Take care of it, don't worry. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, Hedo, what do you what do you think about the uh, Brubaker versus McGill battle? You're gonna hate me. Oh no. You're gonna hate me. <laughs> okay. It's it's really funny. It's funny. Um <laughs> they're so kind of similar. Um Really, the difference is like McGill throws harder and gets down the mountain way more, but like their pitches across the board very similar. Um, I think that so there are certain pitches. Uh, Bruce Gratterall is a really good example of a guy who everyone's like, oh, it looks like he's playing catch. That he doesn't get down the mound very well allows him to take pitches that aren't that special and make them really steep, be, you know, especially paired with his arm slot. Um, I think that helps out Brubaker here. And so, again, uh, McGill throws a lot of strikes with his four seam, but he hasn't done much else with the rest. I think for, for a changeup, his changeup is probably up there in terms of strike percentage, but like, Brubaker just throws a ton of strikes. I also, I feel like I recall seeing, I, I thought I saw an article about like him making tweaks over the off season, but what we've seen thus far is him really shove. And it seems like he's moving away from the four seamer and the changeup, both of which I think are, 
you know, like really judicious. Um, seems like the curveball is sweepier, way sweepier, um, and and getting more ride. So if he's doing that, I actually think that he's like the way that I talk about Braxton Garrett. Like I, I think I'm gonna write about JT Brewbreaker now. Um, I had been kind of planning on it, but just in like looking over his numbers, I'm like, I thought he was so mid, but I think it's, I think he just was throwing a lot of bad pitches. Um, that curveball slider combo are nice, and the sinker I like too. So I'm sorry, Schwebsy. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm never coming back. <laughs> get absolutely bodied. I can't wait for this conversation get- with our booking agent. <laughs> Dude, get Mike Breed in here to say bang, because I just hit a three. <laughs> bang! I'm bang! Tell, I'm telling our manager and, and booking agent to never have this man <laughs> back on the podcast. <laughs> I'm the booking agent. It's me. Yo, has anyone written about Brewbreaker? I, be I gotta I gotta beat I gotta beat people. <laughs> beat it's happening. Punch. It's happening. Do it. But so that that was our those were our ADP battles, and so that we do not keep Ahedo here all night, we've already kept him way longer than we said we would, uh, as is, as we are want to do. Uh, we're we're just gonna do some really quick hits at the end here. Uh, a couple of guys that we think are interesting who are kind of shoving in spring training, and uh, I guess we're we're gonna play a quick round of I guess fact or fiction. Like, is what they're doing in spring training? A, a precursor to a strong season or is this just a typical spring training mirage so let's uh let's start with someone we've already talked about nick martinez of the padres he is having a killer spring training so far he has struck out 10 to only two walks he is not allowing any runs i need to actually pull up these numbers because i'm trying to recall them off the dome uh, he's struck out 11 with two walks and has put up a 0.96 ERA in 9.1 innings. And that is uh, one run in 9.1 innings for, for the, the non-math inclined. What do you guys think? I know, Ahedo, you said you love the, uh, you love the changeup. You're, you're excited about his interesting pitch repertoire. So, I mean, clear, I, I assume you think that this is something that can carry over into the season. I guess it depends on like, I mean, really anytime a pitcher breaks out, like if it's a pitcher, it's like, well, for me, it used to be like, did the guy add whiffs? Uh, but more so now it's like, what changed? You know, is it, is it, I guess in spring training, it's not super like pitch mix, but like, uh, it, you know, is he throwing harder? Is his arm slot changed? Uh, is he, the change of grip, whatever. So I guess without knowing that, I, I guess I'll just guess no <laughs> which Dude, isn't uh, i hate you know. this part of spring training like i hate yeah. not having access to all the data that we have access to during the regular season because all i want to yeah. do is like dig into this and see what if anything has <laughs> yeah. changed not, not being able to dig into Statcast data absolutely sucks what it's i will good. say is the games that do have hawkeye you can get on savant now uh yes. by filtering 2023 and spring training most games don't but like i'm looking at mitch keller's cutter and i'm like bro you're throwing that for strikes 81 percent of the time like and brew breaker and brew breaker 79 <laughs> oh my god all right i'm writing this i'm writing this <laughs> let's go oh my I'm, god I'm, if nothing else comes from this episode we did give 
Mikey his next article idea. So that's great. I don't, I don't, I don't know what this we stuff is you're talking about. I gave him the idea for his next article. Look, I, um, I lost the, the ADP battles so brutally in, in vicious fashion. Please just let me have this. We are Clark Schmidt is up there with a sinker. Wow. We are podcast so merits, but mine is yours. Wait. But yeah, the, the, the exciting thing about Nick Martinez, the most exciting thing, I think, is that he is taking this interesting repertoire, this dope change up into regular starts, which is something he didn't have last year. He only made 10 mm. starts out of his 47 appearances last year. So while it may not be real, we will at least get the opportunity to see whether it's real or not. And he's being drafted at 401. So I think, you know, it, it, it's worth the basically free price to find out, you know, very late in drafts. Tyler Chatwood still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just completely Mike, unprompted. I love it. Mike, 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 Mikey has just gone down the K-hole. Uh, this is great. I love this so much. Right, next uh, next name that we want to talk about here, uh, Kyle Bradish. Bradish has 12 strikeouts to two walks in nine spring training innings with only two home run, two runs allowed, which were both on solo home runs. He's only allowed four hits in nine innings. What do we think? Do I mean Bradish had some really interesting moments last year. That was someone that I probably added and dropped, uh, you know, a dozen times between all my teams last year. And Baltimore is just in general doing interesting things with their pitching development. What do you guys mm-hmm. think about Bradish? I'll be honest, I have not paid attention to much of what he has done. Uh, the numbers are obviously interesting. I'm always curious, though, in these spring training games, like what kind of lineups are pitchers facing? Like, I don't want to put too much stock into spring training appearances just because of that. So I always take it with a grain of salt. Regardless, it's encouraging. I think in general, they're, like you said, a lot of those pitchers, it seems like they're doing very, very interesting stuff. I will say that the talking pitching episode that Nick and Alex did with uh, Cole Irvin, I thought was very interesting, kind of gave some insight into the changes and like willingness to like work with these pitchers on like mostly like it looks like repertoire changes um Hmm. and stuff like that uh in baltimore so i'm curious uh obviously like everyone past pick 300 is always going to be a little bit interesting to me in that regard um but with those results definitely encouraging so worth pointing out about bradish last year he had an injury that kept him out for roughly six weeks in the middle of the year and then when he came back from July 29th forward, he put up a 3.28 ERA with 8.2 strikeouts per nine. He was he was pretty solid down the stretch. Bradish's cutter is insane. Like very yeah. insane. I, um, I had it in my head that his uh his slider was kind of the uh the thing about him. Well he just he I mean <clears throat> at least I'm looking at Brooks data. I and maybe like are they calling his fastball cla- his yeah cutter? is it a classification thing oh okay so that's interesting they're calling his forcing fastball cutter um oh. but i mean he he throws something with cut 95 which kind of makes me think of like glass now um and if you believe in the step four like with what spring data we have what like really he's not throwing anything for strikes outside of the cutter and the sinker he's really barely throwing the sinker so it's like do you believe in the cutter and based on like what's changed it really just seems like he's throwing a firmer 
firmer breaking balls and yeah. So yeah, so I don't quite know what it is. I imagine it's it's probably like pitch location. Um but yeah, he's throwing he's throwing a lot lower in the zone with the sinker. So maybe that's what it is. But this is pretty interesting to me. Um super small sample, but that's kind of just my my initial thoughts. Um I mean, if you can throw a, a hard cut fastball with that slider, like that's a really interesting combo. Yeah, I'm I'm he throws his sinker hard when he does throw it. Like what is it? This is like 90th percentile starting pitcher sinker velo. He threw like 95.5 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh if that's something that got worked into his repertoire more, I'd be interested. I I think Radish is kind of destined for the same kind of thing as last year where I mentioned I picked him up a bunch uh, across various leagues. I think he's just going to kind of be one of those guys that's on the waiver wire pretty regularly and you'll pick him up for spot starts and whatnot. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure that there's another level here. Do, do you agree with that, Mikey? Well, do you mean from his last year's stats? Yeah. Um, I mean, he needs like... So like, wow, that's, I mean, I feel like that's just such a mid line that there has to be something more. All right. So say, so say there's a next level. Are we thinking more like a four ERA or like a three, five right now four. that's about what I was thinking. But if, I mean, the cutters like his, you know, it's his main pitch and he throws the slider a lot too, but like if he's throwing a better cutter he really gets like exponentially better. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it again, from the like very, very little data that we have, it seems like he's utilizing his pitchers or pitches better. Where like, you know, sinkers are like towards the bottom of the zone, cutting the fastball. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think he can be good. I just, I just don't know that the, swing and misses there to be really good across like his entire repertoire like it's good on the sink it's good on the slider but i just don't know that there's enough across his whole repertoire to get like a lot of swings and misses you know yeah as we know i am the i am the the non whiffs guy i really like i mean garrett's not really an example because his slider but i i like guys that just get called strikes because i think they can be strikeout guys too so so could I could I have earned a, a tie if I had gone with like Turnbull instead of uh, Tyler McGill? Oh, I think him versus Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah, darn it. Turnbull because Turnbull's always gonna induce induce super weak contact. Like he might be it's like him and Chris Bassett that are like the gold standard, I think, for team shifted wake. But I think like Turnbull especially. So I don't know what the K upside is, but he's always going to have that. Whereas Brubaker, like we've seen, be bad. Yeah. Turnbaker is another guy that uh, I, you know, in, in transparency that I took in TGFBI a couple of rounds ago. I'm I'm a big Turnbull fan, especially at like 450 or wherever he's going in drafts. It's, it's late. But uh, yeah. this is taking so much longer than I thought it would take. <laughs> uh so one one last guy well actually i want to do two more well one more guy that i think is shoving in spring training that 
we should be interested in is Eduardo Rodriguez because he's been good before. And there were a myriad of both on and off field issues that led to his kind of underwhelming year or two that we've, we've just seen. So maybe this spring training is an indication that he's back. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling about Eduardo Rodriguez? I don't know. <laughs> I All mean, right. He's never like, okay, so he's never <laughs> been like, he's never been super flashy. I would say. Mm-hmm. I I think that the most attractive thing about him, like when he was like in Boston, right, was for me, he threw a decent amount of strikes and he limited hard contact pretty well. If I'm remembering correctly. And that's obviously attractive in and of itself. Um, he was never, I think this is someone that wasn't really ever a big swing. And this guy was he, Mikey. This is kind of like that same yeah. architect that you like. Um, so I feel like you're going to say that you like him. Um, I think he's fine. I think like, obviously like missing so much time last year, I am always interested to see how they fare early in the season. I don't know if I'm going to take a flyer on him or not. Probably going to fade him. I, I missed out on him in TGFBI and I was a little upset about that because he, I was targeting him with, with my next pick or two. So I had to make I sure mean, he get Turnbull. Yeah. He is a guy that is like, Kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I think like again, I think. I mean, I liked Marco Gonzalez. I think it's like kind of a similar thing. Like, I think he has good command. I think he throws most of his pitches for strikes. Doesn't really blow you away with anything, and doesn't really get whiffs. I don't know what you take a step forward with. Um. Like yeah. what pitch could be the pitch? I think he can move things around. Where like maybe you'd start throwing. I'm not even looking at his. Well, I guess I could. I haven't pulled up. Uh, maybe you throw his sinker more, but then it's like his forcing fastball is actually his best pitch. Um, so I think more or less he's pretty well optimized. He does induce pretty weak contact. I think it would be a new pitch if if he's going to take a step forward. So, um yeah, I don't I don't like feel strongly about him, but I think he's like super fine uh, you know, later on. All right. So, uh Bradish and Eduardo Rodriguez are going literally three picks apart uh based on ADP. Who do you who do you prefer between the two? I think you go let me look at their projections. I think you just go. It depends on what your build is, but Eduardo Rodriguez was a really solid pitcher from seventeen to twenty-one. Yeah, Gives you I a just, lot of innings. Like I don't know, can he ever get back to that like twenty-five percent strikeout rate? I just don't know with the like with the with what pitches he's choosing to throw. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know where the whiffs went in 2022. Um, but I do think he can get back somewhere around there. Um, and we haven't seen it from Bradish yet. So, I, I mean, it depends on build, but I would probably go Rodriguez. I, th- I think that's where I am too. What about you, Jordan? Between those two? Yeah. I think I lean Bradish. 
ever so slightly. Um, they're neither one of them is like super inspiring to me. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I'm just trying to think like which park I would rather have a pitcher pitch in. Oh, it's it's got to be Detroit, right? Like yeah, probably. even with I, the I guess I guess Erod Erod's profile, I would want I would want him. I guess between the two, it's I mean it's it's kind of close for me. Honestly, I'm not super inspired by either, but I think I would take Erod, but just barely. All right, so I'm so Jordan. At some point, I hijacked hosting from you. I don't know why. That's okay. <laughs> we're we're already started, so we're gonna keep going. So the last guy that I want to talk about is old, old, very good friend of pitcher list, Matthew Boyd. We literally, uh, we, we used to call ourselves Boyd boys at one point because, uh, the pitcher list in general was so high on Matthew Boyd and the potential he had so far in spring training, Matthew Boyd has struck out what 11 batters to one walk in five innings. He's allowed two runs in those five innings, both off solo home runs, which kind of is Matthew Boyd in a nutshell. But what what do we think? Is is Boyd back? Is it or is it time to to like group up the Boyd boys again? Are the boy the I Boyd was a, boys back in town? I was a Boyd friend. Um, was my was my take on it? <laughs> I I don't see any reason to believe in it. I think the reason why he's always struggled is he doesn't throw very hard, and his fastball shape is like very very mid um that hasn't changed i think what he's done thus far is is really dominate with the slider unless he goes really slider dominant i don't think he'll ever get the the dingers down enough to for things to change he should throw a sinker or a one seam um like just something that's not a four seam fastball throw a cutter something i don't know yeah i don't know why he hasn't um, and I do like his slider, but it's, I don't even think it's what it was back in like 2019 when I initially, I comped him to Patrick Corbin back in the day. Um, prime yeah. Corbin. Um, and I think that's what he should do. Uh, shoot. I think he's actually like, a one of the first driveline guys that we heard about. Um, so, his, you know, his slider has been one of the most dominant in camp, but it's like, he pro- the home runs were probably on fastballs. So if he's going to pitch anywhere, you probably want him to pitch in T-Mobile or, or, or Comerica. Is it Comerica still? It yeah. is Comerica. Yeah. They're, um, I think they're shopping around the naming rights. <laughs> I, uh, but, oh, no, that was Camden. The Bal- Baltimore is, is oh, shopping around the uh, yes. iconic Camden Yards naming rights, which is, uh, I love the world. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. if there's a good place for Boyd, it is probably Comerica. Do you remember I do when like Boyd him struck out 238 batters in a season? What? And that season? <laughs> that was, was a 2019. He had 238 strikeouts. That's absurd. Like his ERA that's, was good. He had a he had a four, five, six ERA, but he struck out 238 batters. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason that his potential re- return to relevancy is exciting. <laughs> that's insane. So. All right, well, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Mikey, thank you for hanging out with us for over an hour and a half now at this point. I mean, longer than that if you count the prep, but. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mikey. <laughs> I know I know, you can only tolerate so much of us. I can only tolerate so much of me. But yes, thank you for hanging out. Happy to hang out. I don't know what my friend 
doing right now, but we saw a hand reach in. We saw we yeah. saw a hand reach in and grab keys <laughs> off of your nightstand. I, I, the, just a just a rogue hand reaching out from behind your microphone. I heard him keys. just go, Mikey, <laughs> and then the door. Opened. And I was like, I'm just gonna pretend this is happening. <laughs> uh, and it please apologize to your friend for us. We're the baddies. I will from 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 Jordan and. Uh, Jared Kelnick's number one hater. <laughs> uh, please remind me who I was supposed to write about. Uh, JT, JT Brubaker. Yeah, when you when you mentioned that uh, that that Matthew Boyd had a mid fastball, my first thought was, oh, Kelnick would love him. <laughs> he he would. I think I feel like there's someone else that I was really excited to write about too, but maybe not. Not anyone I talked about. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was Manaya. Uh, oh yeah, Manaya might be one of them. Uh, well, anyway, hopefully I think of it. I I was getting really excited because I was like, oh man, I've wanted to swear like ten times today. Um, I was like, oh man, I can't wait. Like I have four guys to write about right now, and I, I think I'm blanking on a couple. So, so. do you do you have anything uh, anything incoming that uh, our our listeners should be on the lookout for? Oh, let's see. Aside from the JT Brubaker article. Yeah. Um, I think really that. Um uh forthcoming podcast with uh Esty Rivera of Fangraphs and Pinstripe Alley, as well as Maliki Hayes of of Pinstripe Alley and Southside Socks. Uh gonna be kind of an intersection of socio, cultural, political kind of stuff and analytics which is admittedly weird but i think that we probably do both better than a lot of people um especially the 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 kind of political cultural stuff um but yeah i mean for now just at at baseball prospectus um been trying to shop around stuff but my previous uh <laughs> sports editors uh moved on and the new one ghosted me so i haven't been able to make the more lucrative money but uh continuing to look to do so um but yeah hopefully we'll run it back here at some point so if, if any of our listeners are are like the owners of major publications give mikey the money please give me the money show me the money well, show me you, it and then and give me it. If you want, you can also give Jordan and I the money, but that's secondary to to giving Mikey the money. If you give he deserve, me the he money, he deserves it more. Also, and He's you good. don't have to show me the money to give me it. Yeah, but preferably, I'll, cl- I'll close my eyes, and you can just put it into my <laughs> bank account. For I mean, me. it do- it doesn't matter. You can direct deposit. I don't have to see it at all, um, as long as it's in my I'll, bank. I'll, I'll 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 even act like really surprised, like, oh wow, what's this? <laughs> Is this the money? Where did Please. the money come from? My family's dying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again. We'll see you next week with another positional preview. Uh, Shrubsy. Actually, no, not Shrubsy. Mikey, send him out. Oh, I sign us out? Yeah. What do I do? Whatever you want. Uh, okay. <laughs> whatever, you do, whatever you do, don't say bye, friends. That's... that's- <laughs> Mikey, can you please just uh, play closing time for us? (laughs) (laughs) Say less. (laughs) Say.
<laughs> like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this at all. Takes a guitar out of his sleeve. I know who <laughs> I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. We're getting canceled. This has been another episode of In the Deep, episode seventy-two. I think this is your 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 host, your pilot, Michael Ahedo. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kuya Mikey. It doesn't matter where Schwebzy and Jordan White are because Schwebzy is the number one Jared Kelnicator. Uh, we will see you again next week. Bye, friends. We're, we're going to get. <laughs> We're going to get canceled, not in like the woke way, just in the, in the traditional, that was terrible sense. My landlord's going to text me about that. <laughs>